Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Flowers are in bloom, so it's time for the Doom Room. I'm Alex, and I'm doomed. Welcome to the Doom Room, Boom Boom. It's the Doom. I'm Justin. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Pete. And we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 6 of Doom Patrol, titled Doom Patrol's Patrol. That's very hard to say. I'm sorry. See, that's why I was doing an homage. (laughs) I was doing an homage. An homage to me messing that up in the future? Nice. Uh, so, Doom Patrol Patrol, to give you a little bit of recap, if it's been a while since you watch the episode, as teased in the previous episode, we find out there is a previous Doom Patrol, not that the residents of Doom Manor are currently called the Doom Patrol, we've been calling them the Doom Patrol, but there was an actual team that Niles Calder had back in the day, they got a very X-Men style setup at a house, mm. um, we find out very quickly that it isn't real, at oh. all. It's actually been created by a guy named Mento. They're actually very, very old. It's Mento. sad. And at the end of the day, uh, Jane discovers, as we uh, delve pretty heavily into her flashbacks, as well as her backstory, excuse me, as well as Rita's flashbacks, we find out that the whole goal here is Mr. Nobody wants to show them what a badass he is because he completely destroyed Niall's previous team. So he's like, yeah, you come after me. This is what's going to happen to you. So that's where we kind of end up. Broad overview here. But I want to take it back to the beginning of the episodes. This is important and kick it over to Pete for whatever esoteric detail he noticed in the first three seconds. I love right. just to, to set that up a little bit. I think uh, astute listeners would notice that Pete's focus is very intense in minute one. Yeah. And then it drops off precipitously <laughs> as the episode goes on. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, I'm glad that we're, we're, we're here at this moment because I, I wrote down here is it. You know, because the DC flip is not really right because it's like we we see inside the DC logo and it's like all their toys. You know what I yeah. mean? So yeah, like it's a, weird. It's almost like I wouldn't call it a DC flip at all, but yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, it's yeah. just what I've been doing all along for DC no toy chest. I'm not sure. Like, uh, you know, I'm not sure what the... Uh, this is a long-running um, idea on this podcast that I assume is uh, some sort of product tie-in, or there's someone's <laughs> paying for this, right? Because there, there's no way we would do this out of just pure wanting to do it. I certainly don't want to do it. Is the DC Flip like a, a Washington, D.C. like bar or something that we're promoting? Yeah, they used to. That's the baseball team, right, down in D.C., the D.C. Flips? <laughs> yeah. They're very bad. They don't know what they're, <laughs> they're terrible. Doing. Nobody likes to talk about them either. Well, no, it's a it is a kind of interesting start where it's like Rita's still on the bench. You know what I mean? Kind of Rita is frozen in time, and th- that also kind of sits with all the flashbacks that we're having here, where um, you know, uh, trainer has to come out LT as he's called in this uh, episode. Um, to kind of like be like, hey Rita, the 
the kid's not coming back. Um, so, you know, well, it's a, it's... even before that, though, I think it's important to talk about what's going on with Rita back in 1956, because we get this flashback. She, I assume, has just blobbed out for the first time, but her career is pretty much in ruins. And she almost without hesitation decides when a producer comes on to her to give into it in order to get the part. But this causes her to blob out, suffocate him. And the secretary says, oh, he died of a heart attack. As we find out later, this led to some bad things for some other actresses of the time, or at least that's hinted at pretty strongly. Uh, and that's sort of the thing that Rita is grappling with at the same time she's grappling with what's going on with Elliot really liked what we got into here overall with Rita's character in this episode. Well, I thought it was very smart and complicated. Yeah, I agree. Like, it, you know, we have this kind of uh, casting couch, horrible situation. Um, and, you know, he gets uh, uh, trampled to death by a blob, I guess, is uh, the way. Uh, smothered. What, smothered, I guess. Yeah, blob's what famously does. not a lot of feet. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, smothered, um, blobbed to death, which, uh, you know, he deserves for sure. And yeah, there's this kind of moment where she struggles with what is she going to do, uh, you know, and he's, uh, you know, patting his lap. Just awful to have to kind of like, uh, uh, but uh, great outcome where Rita kind of gets to be like, hey, listen, that guy was a douche. Don't take the fall for this. Get out of here. Uh, oh, from the secretary? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she didn't even know about the blob. Yeah. There you go. Classic. Uh, I just assume whenever anybody's died of a heart attack, it's blob-related, but I yeah, don't know. That's smart. Yeah, that's smart. fair yeah. assumption. Mm-hmm. I was talking with someone yesterday, and they said um, that they, had, uh, they were a, a cardiac doctor, and they walked in on someone having a heart attack and saved their life. Wait, is this How a true people? story? This is a true story. Where, I, and then another the person. Part and I really thought per- you were going to get to the blob thing in a second, yeah. but you're actually no blob, not no blob. I, it just struck, struck me with a heart attack thing. And then another person was like, uh, "My uncle um, gave the Heimlich and saved two people's life." I'm like, "Where are people encountering dying people? I've never walked in and been like, ah, do you need me to save you?'" Yeah, right now, man, that's crazy. I kill almost killed our producer by shoving in front of a truck once. Which is <laughs> kind of the opposite thing. It's a different thing. That's an thing, attempted maybe? murder. That's okay. not a, it's a life-saving moment. Uh, hmm. Interesting. <laughs> what did you think of Rita, Rita's storyline overall, though, Justin? Yeah, I Justin. thought it was great. I mean, um, I we get this moment at the top, like Pete said, where she's sort of in a still place, thinking. And I think that's sort of what she comes to the revelation that she needs to face her issues and literally says the lines, I think maybe it's time I sat here and faced my issues. I was like, doesn't get clearer than that. Um, (laughs) Because the flashbacks are great, really interesting, and we get to see her from this horrible moment that you just described into um, being paired up with Mento to help uh, by Niles Calder to help her with her powers. They have a relationship, and then he takes advantage of her in a sort of similar way. He, like, uh, pokes in on her thoughts and sees something horrible and then walks out on her. And you can see that I feel like the in the actress playing Rita does such a great job of the look on her face is the same. It's not it's not a very told, like, I felt just like I did when in Hollywood. But it's just, like, the look on her face is this, like, I can't believe this is happening again. How can I break this pattern? And I think she is going to by by facing it. 
Yeah, the other thing that I think is interesting about this episode in terms of the Mento thing and the old Doom Patrol thing, um, full disclosure, I'm not very familiar with the very old Doom Patrol comics. I'm more familiar with the Grant Morrison run on and sort of that very like uh, genre breaking meta thing that we're dealing with mostly in the show. So this might be one to one with old Doom Patrol and I'd even venture that it probably is, but it definitely feels very... Xavier's school for the gifted going on here uh, to the point that this character seems a little bit like Professor Xavier. And I like that we're sort of riffing on that because a lot of people do draw a connection between Doom Patrol and the X-Men, even though they are at least a little bit different. And it's all about the the veneer. The, I mean, this whole episode also the veneer that we all put forward and that this uh, that Mento's putting forward on this school that's not a school. And how, like, underneath, it's there's just a mess of problems. Yeah. Now, Pete, did you have a problem, speaking of problems, at all, that they didn't sing Mento's theme song? Yes. I mean, it was killing me the whole time. I mean, somebody make some kind of joke about the Fresh Maker. I mean, the guy could use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do the think, though, that, like, um, you know, the... The reveal here that Mr. Nobody is saying, like, hey, before you come at me, guys, you know, let me distract you with a little bit of, like, Miles isn't the person you think he is. Like, if you found out that your team, you know, like, if Alex had a podcast before us, Justin, I mean, I would be just heartbroken. You know what I mean? That would be crazy. If I had done an entirely separate Doom Patrol podcast before this Doom Patrol podcast, what a wild, sir, I couldn't even imagine what that would have been like or what would have happened to those podcasters. I would. I was going to throw out. I think we're the sort of slick, cool X Men, and later Alex will be working with a bunch of weirdos. Oh, after I've uh, stuck you in a house where you're aging and I stay always the same. Yes, I mean we're all we're all pretty close. <laughs> I get the real answer here is that we already are <laughs> old Mento and the, oh, and no. the other two. Just living a visual hologram, being like, let's take some more press photos. <laughs> and it being us just trying to get the pills in our mouth. <laughs> oh, man. That was brutal, though, the way it was kind of Heartbreaking. like. Heartbreaking. Yeah, they were like, hey, don't worry. They're just in the kind of uh, stasis of uh, beating themselves up over and over again. Uh, just being ridiculously hard on themselves for their past. Like, oh, just absolute torture facility it is horrible and the, the fact that we sort of leave the episode like this is good they're there this is the best they got is like devastating in its own way but also i think it speaks back to what um the guy i think his name was josh says who's running the school or the retirement facility uh, hell hell yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um he says uh, nobody sent you here to show you what the consequences are for for challenging him. And I think that the walk I take away from that, like nobody does want to scare them, but he also is scared of them in a way. Because why take the time to be like, go look at the last Doom Patrol um, and see if you still want to fight me. And uh, he must see something in them. Also, like, I know they've been on, like, a bunch of crazy adventures, and there was, like, a donkey that farts uh, messages. You have really focused on the donkey. I, you know. And I be, I be it's pronounced donkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I was talking with somebody, and then, like, 
everything in the background changed for a couple seconds, like the color, the complete look of the person I was talking to, I wouldn't just be like, oh yeah, it's just the old glitch in the matrix. Let's keep continuing down. You know, like uh, it was taking them a Sorry, little bit. Real quick, when there are glitches of the matrix, you're like, ah, there that is again. That cat walked by twice. No big twice. deal. Yeah, no big deal. I, I was just a little surprised that, uh, you know, there was uh, dramatic changes uh, for a couple seconds in parts and uh, everybody seemed okay with it. I don't think so. I think every time that it happened, Larry Chater was like, what's going on? What is happening yeah, here? This is weird. So I, I thought they were kind of blatant about that. I thought, if anything, that was more an indicator to the audience that everything is not right here and this is not the actual reality. They let us get a little bit ahead of the characters. I'd also note, I don't know if you guys felt this way. Uh, this was to me easily the least funny episode. And well, so maybe uh, this is too strong. I know Pete's going to take exception to this. Maybe not my favorite episode because it was relatively so serious. Okay. But the butt balloon, I mean, that was pretty funny, guys. Come on. The giant yeah. butt balloon. I mean. I know what I'm getting for you for your 50th birthday. The butt balloon was great. <laughs> butt balloons. Yeah, cops that turn into bananas. Hot diggity by Perry Como playing in the background. That yes. was. Very fun. That was. I mean, the music on this show is really great. We got a bunch of instances in this episode but, like, the song to drive somebody mad by playing it over and over again was such a fun choice. That was really hilarious. Again, it's a it classic diggity yeah. by Perry Como. It's a classic TV trope. It's called the butt balloon with a hot diggity jukebox. <laughs> you see it in a lot of classic TV. I Love Lucy did it. That was the uh, third book in the Girl with a Dragon tra Tattoo series, right? <laughs> yes, right. The first two are very serious, mm. dealing with a lot of dark content. And the third one's sort of just like a fuck around. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. I mean, hot diggity. If you guys were in like a, a park setting and then you mm -hmm. saw a butt balloon mm -hmm. with a jukebox, would you immediately start running? Because I feel like I would. Away or towards? Yeah. Towards. Away. Towards. 100%. Towards. Yeah, dance party time. No, no, no. It's a clearly like something uh, the Joker is doing nah, or something I'd horrible. Take a, take a picture for the gram. You know I'm all about oh, the gram. Oh, this guy's all about the gram. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah, you would grandma. Be, I'd take so, it. What is grandma. it called? Let me just research this. Selfie. I'd take a selfie. <laughs> You'd be too busy paying fucking Pokemon to look up to notice the butt balloon. Oh, okay, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> the layers of who's young old and old on this podcast is shocking. I will say, and just to clarify, I know I mentioned this the last episode, I really do not remember what happens in these episodes at all, so I apologize if this is a spoiler in any way, but watching this episode, I was struck by given the nonsense circumstances that Mr. Nobody is throwing at the old version of the Doom Patrol, uh, I think it points to potentially what our new version has over the old version. The old version is much more straightforward superheroes. You got Niles with the wheelchair like Professor X. You have the rest of them like the X-Men, like we talked about. They have coordinated uniforms. They're ready to go. Granted, that might not really be what happened at all because we know that Mento and Mr. Nobody have been futzing with everybody's memories a little bit. But this Doom Patrol, like we talked about a lot of the podcast, is a mishmash of different characters. It's a mishmash of different powers that don't necessarily go or work together as a fluid team. 
And given that Mr. Nobody is all about chaos, seemingly, and all about randomization, that might be what scares him about this new group, potentially. Yeah, and I think something we talked about last time is just their capacity to get better. Like, and because he has them under his thumb because they are sort of at the mercy of their own tragedies. But if they can start to move past them, that's where they can really maybe become a a threat. And I think the reason he had this old Doom Patrol fully defeated is because they never move past their shit. Mm-hmm. As we see by the end of this episode, they are just, you know, in full lockdown and not dealing with anything and truly are hopeless. Um, but, I mean, to your point, I think also the way Mr. Nobody acts is sort of from comic book history. Like, the goofiness of old comics where, like, the Joker was just, like, had, like, a trick, uh, trick guns and flowers that squirted water. And then that changed into sort of the dark, twisted versions that we have uh, as comics sort of got older. Thank God, too. I mean, as we're taping this, they just revealed the look of the new Riddler and the Batman. And I'm like, thank you. You know, g- yeah. give him a weird gimp suit. That's what I've always dreamed of since I was a kid. Here's Whoa, my question sort of, for the Riddler. Why not tilt a gimp toward suit? gimp. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about Larry a little bit, because again, he doesn't have a huge arc in this episode, but I did feel like he is starting to work with the negative spirit, at least a little bit. I mean, it's more of the same a little bit where the light being has to step up and save everybody's ass. Why are you so angry? (laughs) Whose side are you on? I can't tell you. I'm the side of Larry, but also you hate the negative spirit. So no, 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 no. I don't hate the negative spirit. The negative spirit, or the light being, as I like to call it, because I don't want to put any negative on that. You're honestly, Pete. You're the negative spirit when it comes to Larry Trainer. Well, sure, fine. Uh, But it's obvious that this light being is is a couple of steps ahead of people and also like trying to do the right thing. So I, you know, it'd be nice if Larry got the F out of the way and maybe let the light being lead a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, you know, open up your heart light, you know? Wow. <laughs> turn on, turn on your heart light. Yeah. Is that what you, yeah. um, I think though, like the whole point of the character is that they have to work together. Mm hmm. Because he Larry's in driving a lot, and then he passes out when uh, old uh, old Lightbright runs around. Yeah, maybe there's some sort of metaphor with a negative spirit that's inside all of us, and we need to figure out how to work with it in order to become better people. Oh, you're giving me the finger? What? Why? Why? Uh, Alex, I think that was the negative spirit. Yeah. Oh, negative okay. And by that, I mean Pete, just Pete. <laughs> just being Pete. Uh, all right. Why don't we, there's a whole other plot line going on here with Cyborg. And well, wait, before we move oh, off, yeah. before we move off a couple other things, um, what do we think of the, the Rita Mento romance? Um, cause it, it, I bought into it. I, it felt genuine in the beginning. I was uh, sort of on board. And then in the sort the scene where they were together and they put on their like old timey sex music, like it was really the only They're sex really music I have, by the way, I know you guys wanted to know this, is Hot Diggity by Perry Kobo. <laughs> yeah. No, believe when I saw you watch this episode, I could tell that I was it like, wooga, wooga. Oh, my God. Do you think it, when you put on your, like, sort of sex playlist, when you had, when you used record players, you had to get up and just keep switching it? 
Yeah, when back in the day when we just had record players, when I said, "Hey, I wanted to get you a mixtape," it was a stack of twenty different records. <laughs> then I'd have to manually switch song by song. Very you inefficient. Gotta, you got to incorporate it into the love, Pete. What do you think? I think this is a fun tangent. I'd like to get back to the show. This is part of the show. This is about the Rita Mento um, relationship. Well, I did. It did start to seem sweet, but. Um, uh, you know, when the screen kept breaking up, I was like, no, this dude's going to be uh, a shithole. Also, as soon as he was like, I promise I won't peek uh, inside your brain. Yeah, he's going to break that promise. You know what I mean? I did actually have a question about Rita and Mento or rather specifically about Mento. I know I've been harping on this a lot, but it continues to throw me how old everybody is, given that we know this Doom Patrol seemingly aged in real time, the old Doom Patrol, but our Doom Patrol that we're following did not? Is that a plot point in any way, or does it just not matter? I Because I thought about this a lot, because when Mento was still young, I was like, what is with this show in time? It doesn't seem to just, uh, doesn't seem to affect anybody, and I thought maybe it was just like meta commentary on how comic book characters never age, Mm -hmm. but then when we find out that the other Doom Patrol actually did age, um, I think it's Cliff doesn't age because he's a robot. Uh, Cyborg is just young, and he is the age he is. Rita, I think, probably does age, but her blob form doesn't change because it's just right. her form. And she can she has a mental picture of what face she's going to make, so that's not going to age. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, for instance, don't age because I just have a strong mental picture about who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every morning you look in the mirror and repeat, I look like this. That I was look part like of this. The <laughs> I sca- look like this. What was nice about Rita taking down the pictures? I was like, okay, yeah, you know, maybe don't have all the pictures you've ever taken of yourself up. But part of me was also worried that, like, if she doesn't have those pictures, she doesn't kind of know what to change her face into. You know what I mean? Well, uh, you have to have your headshots surrounding your mirror, otherwise, you're not a working actor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you okay. guys, you guys well, have your headshots. So, so if a casting director wanders in, you can be like, hello, sir, I'm ready to be cast in a feature film. My uh, kids keep asking, hey, why don't you have any pictures of us up? Can we put them up? And I slap their hands and I slap the uh, pictures out of the way. I'm like, no, just me. Just yeah, me. This just this beautiful, headshot. beautiful dog. You're, you're doing a great job. Thank you. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> really uh, appreciate that. Yeah, And then, of course, on the aging front, Larry, I think, uh, remains to be seen. Maybe it's the the light being that is keeping him frozen in time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, it was a weird moment when Larry was like, hey, do I know you? And the person was like, no, you do not. That was weird. Yeah. I mean, if we want to jump over and talk about um, Larry for this episode. LT. LT. There are a couple interesting things happening here. Um, Mm -hmm. There was that moment with um, Josh. Uh, who we also, Josh, mysterious character, thought he wasn't going to be not real, but he seems to be real. Yeah. Knows a lot, but feels very secretive, just like... Has Homer. powers, but was not going to show them, or, or... Yeah, but the episode, he's like, oh, I have powers, but I'm not going to do it. Do them. I was like, come on, dude. This is your shot. <laughs> I think We're his not powers back here. are the butt balloon. I think that's what it was. Oh, okay. What do you mean by are the butt balloon? Like, he blow, blew it up? Because I'll tell you what, I could have the power of a butt balloon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so could you yeah you if go it's a to the balloon, balloon store and buy some helium pete well i don't know if you can order just a butt balloon at a, at a store so 
Oh man, I cannot wait to your next special event. You get wait for I'm gonna show up in a butt balloon. <laughs> I assume the other thing you're gonna mention about Larry is the weird symbol that he's holding at the end of the episode. Yes, and I think my my takeaway from that was that there was some time after Larry um, was affected by the light being, and before we catch up with him at Doom Patrol, where he did some sort of mission with the U.S. government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what I think is really interesting about the time. The advantage there, even though I do find it confusing, is that they are able to fill in all of these different gaps and pockets and holes because there's been decades of time. And the implication of the first episode was they all stayed in Doom Manor, didn't interact with anybody, never met anybody else, doesn't know anybody else. The end. That's it. But as we slowly found out over the course of these next couple of episodes, that's not true. Every single one of them has had different things and different interactions, not just with Niles Calder, not just with Doom Manor. Um, So to your point, yeah, I think we are going to find out something more about Larry Trader's time, and it should point in some interesting directions. Why don't we move and talk about... Also, just one more thing on Larry, and then we get this... Oh, you love Larry. I do love Larry. Well, I have to come combat the negative spirit of Pete, Mm -hmm. who hates Larry. Yep. Pete's like a Balky guy, and I'm a Larry guy. That's the way it's always been. Balky blue um, in, in the the f- perfect strangers dichotomy of understanding uh, pop culture, a forthcoming book from yours truly. Yes, and uh, just to clarify on the podcast, I am the island of Mipos. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, so true. Um, what I was going to say is the light being does collaborate with the team in this episode. So we get a first big step. Both Rita and Larry are making big steps forward in this episode, while uh, Cyborg is doing a, sort of a separate thing, and Cliff is just Could treading you... water like he doesn't know what oh, to do. All right, all right. Uh, to, first off, back up the truck there. That was all ridiculous. Uh, Larry is not doing shit, okay? The light being is doing all the things, Rita's making some progress. Larry ain't doing nothing, okay? And Cliff does a lot, okay? Cliff helps Vic and his dad's relationship, which is horrible, and Cliff helps them get a little bit better. No, I disagree completely, and there's no revelation here in this episode, but... It's clear Vic's dad is different, but only because he Cliff is yapping it off with his little uh, metal jaw, uh, like that old He-Man villain, Trap Jaw. <laughs> trap and he's jaw. Just, bep, nice. bep, 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 bep. Um, yep. uh, someone oiled him up too much because he's flapping. And he says too much, and then Vic's dad completely changes and has definitely done something to Cyborg that is a little bit sneaky. And... Cyborg does the old pickpocket, which is very hard when you're a robot, I bet, to do that without being caught. Gets the flash drive, but I think his dad is one step ahead of him. And it's Cliff's fault. All right, no. Cliff helped in this episode. Yes, you're right. He did get a little, uh, you know, I don't know what flappy with the gums would be in the metal term, uh, you know, but I just. He's like a really, a Siri who's like, hey, Siri, we don't want to talk to you. That was a fun bit by Jane, and I want to talk about Jane a lot, but the. Yeah, he helped. He was just like, somebody had to say to him, like, stop being a dick to your son, man. Like, you're awful, and he knows it, and he's lashing out against you. You know, and then you get that beautiful hug moment, which was very sweet. Yeah, 
I'm highly suspicious. I agree with you, Justin, in terms of my suspicion about what's going on with Silas. I don't think he's trustworthy. Oh, two middle figures. My goodness, Pete. Your negative spirit is out in full force today. Uh, Don't trust Silas. Do like the stuff with Cyborg and how he's forming a bond, regardless, with Cliff. All of the stuff about hacking was very funny. It was like, whoa, you hacked into face hole or whatever it was. You... You love when people like uh, change the name of things, so this had to be very fun for you, Alex. But it wasn't really Facehole. It was Facebook, right? And, and Cliff just didn't know what it was called. No, they yeah. called it Facehole. Like on the, it wasn't Google. It was like Ramble search. Ramble. It yeah. says Facehole. Oh, then I do love that. <laughs> yeah, you do love that. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yes, but I like that Cyborg hacks it by creating a catfishing account for him, uh, and we do get the. Uh, cliffhanger there, no pun intended. Oh, of Cliff finding out that Bump is now his daughter's dad. Oh. He's pretty upset about that. But, but Bump was... seemed like a good guy. I mean, Bump's if anybody's gonna be in charge of a child, Bump seemed like out of all the flashbacks and the people in that flashback. Of all my it... favorite things on the road, Bumps are easily my favorite. So I'm very excited about this. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you got to meet my buddy Pothole, man. He's a disaster. Oh, cool, Everybody hates him. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. He's but it was a weird moment when the dad was like, "Don't hang out with weirdos." You know, like what was that talk? I, you know, don't I hang out was... with weirdos. That's pretty straightforward. No, it's not. You know what I mean? Like, fuck you, dad. Mm. Wait, I thought you th- didn't. Are you saying you are suspicious of Silas? Uh, yeah, I'm saying that I, I. No, wait, wait, wait. What I'm saying is... Whoa, that... whoa, whoa. I'm confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. Um, I I feel like Dad's made some progress, uh, but that uh, that moment there was a little kind of like weird, so... Nice. I like you almost <laughs> gave up a little bit halfway through your last sentence. You were like, what I think is, oh, man. <laughs> oh no. Oh, no. What am I've I really stepped in it this time. <laughs> oh, One last uh, little thing that I wanted to mention about Cliff that I thought was nice, just on a character level. We've talked about how him going out of control and killing those dudes at uh, Paraguay was... Yep something beyond what he usually does. And usually he is a softy. I think we got that back here when he tries to bring the sandwiches to Jane and he has no spine about it whatsoever. He's like, I made you all these sandwiches. She breaks them. He says, well, I'm not cleaning this up. And then immediately says, okay, fine. I'm cleaning this up. And ultimately he's a nice guy. You know, he does terrible things. He has done terrible things, but ultimately he is a good guy and he's trying to be a better guy. And I think Justin, you mentioned this a lot, but that gets to the core of, all of these characters here are they're not very good people, but they're trying to be better, and that's what makes it engaging. What more can you ask for? I have one small thing to bring up that I feel like is less and less likely to be true, but there's a weird connection. Um, I said that maybe um, Jane is Cliff's daughter. And we're right. starting to see that the daughter has a Facebook page, so maybe that's less likely. But there's this weird connection where in the previously on, we see this moment where um, Cliff is like, hey, um, let's get pancakes right before the car accident. Right. And I was like, why is that in here? That's weird. And then like two scenes into the episode, um, Jane's watching the baby doll tape mm-hmm. and uh, the Calder offers her pancakes. Right. And it was just a weird like too mm-hmm. much pancakes. Like pancakes don't come up naturally. 
We talk about pancakes. We talk about pancakes a shit ton. We? We haven't talked about pancakes yet today for sure. Where? What What are you talking about? We've had so many discussions about pancakes versus waffles, the silver dollar pancakes. Over the course of years. 15 years. Hey, newsflash. Newsflash, Pete, we've talked about fucking everything. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a subject in the world that we haven't don't come up, and I'm saying pancakes come up all the time. It oh, came yeah. up. Oh, I that's think right. what you're thinking of is you're thinking of our Cloak and Dagger podcast where they had discussions about pancakes versus waffles. We did talk about it on there because it was relevant to the show. Otherwise, Pete, I've strictly never discussed it. <laughs> that yeah, he is not to true. Talk about it. Mm-hmm. But, we, we talked about it in Riverdale when we were talking about the eggs, that fucking whole eggs in the farm scene, and then the Pete pancakes. and I actually used to own an IHOP. I should say so that <laughs> may be what he's thinking of. Yeah, it's horribly burned down in that horrible um, fire. Oh, the yeah. maple fire. Oh my god, that was terrible. It smelled like butterscotch for days afterwards. That was yeah. wonderful. It, it was, was the, most, the best the smelling fire. disaster I've ever been a part of. Yeah. What's the? What, just rank them. Just disasters, world okay. disasters, based on how well uh, they smell. Well, there's the obviously the the maple fire at the IHOP that we ran. Sure. There was um, the cologne arsony that uh, Alex, you and I committed, where mm-hmm. we uh, we burned down that Dracar Noir <laughs> showroom <laughs> after that. they fucked us out of our, our Dracar Noir. Um, there was our there was skunk fighting ring mm-hmm. that was pretty that, fun. Uh, that didn't smell good though. That's what I'm saying. We're, we're falling down the list. Oh, we're falling down the, the list. The list is getting worse. It's yeah, and then order. Pompeii, which smelled bad, very bad smell. Yeah, Ugh, gross. Our human hair fireworks factory—that <laughs> was, was a good idea because we have a lot of hair. The fuses yeah, are we hair. Have so much hair. Hair's the original. I'll rope. tell you what. It smelled terrible. It was still a very nice July Fourth. Exactly. And you know what? That's what I'm saying. You got to face your tragedies and make the best of them. That's what we're doing with our. It's like that hair classic, firework yeah, factory. It's like that classic expression. If you got hair, make fireworks. That's right. That's right. Classic so TV anyway, trope. Pete, Jane, Pete, you want to contribute to this, Pete? Jane, Pete? hey Pete. Jane, Jane Pete, and the this is what happens when you bring up pancakes, Pete. We, <laughs> and that's why we don't talk about pancakes. But anyway, I'm just saying the whole reason I started this rant uh, was the pancake mention is a little odd. That connection point is a little odd to me, and it starts. It makes me feel like there is more of a connection between Jane and Cliff, or than me. somebody was doing the post production on the editing found a fun little moment. Wow, That's unlikely when it comes to a previously on. <laughs> yes. Uh, who else do we need to talk about? Oh, Jane. We do need to talk about Jane. You wanted to talk about Jane, Pete. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, shut your assholes. We're doing this. That was a real fun line uh, by Jane. Um, Jane had a I thought lot that of was. I thought that's me, what you say yeah, when you no. want to talk about Jane. No, no, yeah, that was just a fun, fun moment. Uh, her, what is this? A fucked up Rushmore was also very enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was co- it was really cool to see Jane, like, go from being very powerful to be very small. The the pu- scared of the puzzles thing was is an interesting kind of reveal. I feel like hopefully we'll get a little bit more kind of background on that. I mean, puzzles can be scary, but there yeah. seemed to be like a hand there and I I don't know whose hand that was. 
Well, especially that puzzle seemed to have a lot of pieces, which mm-hmm. I find that to be just stressful. Stressful, yeah. Yeah, you find the you edges. Know if gonna lose build one the of those edges pieces. first. Build the outside, and then work in. Build some major things. She'll figure it out. It's fine. Very uh, hard to find what, the edges. Justin, since this is your first time watching it, what's your big theory now, or any theory from that hand coming out? The guy saying "sweet baby," what do you think's happening there? Uh, well, now the I jaws mean, hand. It, it very cool. That whole sequence was very cool, very well shot. Um, I mean, something horrible. I don't even know. That did hand did look oddly meaty, mm-hmm. um, which actually it looked like Brendan Fraser's hand in a weird Ooh. way. Like that hand, if it was meant to be a scary hand, it wasn't sc- scary. It was like a soft, like Gronk hand, like Gronk the football player. It's like a big hand uh well it wasn't as scary as it wasn't like a rough like weird hand you know what i mean so i guess what i'm saying is uh it's i'm sure it's something awful it feels like something that happened to her when she was a kid (laughs) what are you laughing about you were like you know it was this meaty soft but also gronk hand but not scary you know what i mean gronk has weird hand gronk the football player rob gronkowski has weird big hands Look at any, he's in like 50 commercials right now. Look at any commercial. It's like he's holding two, uh, he has like hands like the foam fingers. But wow. he has five fingers that work on each hand. Interesting. I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I love yeah. it. Um, anyway, it feels like it's something specifically about Baby Doll. Maybe Baby Doll is maybe the old, one of the older personalities that uh, from when she was young, maybe close to whatever fractured her personality um, back in the day. Uh, we see like the idea that Jane had a room in this place feels very strange. Uh, she seems to have been lived a lot of life that we don't know about yet. I mean, the room thing is interesting because they don't resolve that either. And she even asked no. the question of, wait, uh, without actually asking it, was I being sent here to be trapped here? Was I being sent here to actually learn and grow outside of Doom Manor? And she doesn't find the answer to that. Certainly that seems something that she could bring up with Niles down the road when they eventually find him again, um, presuming they find him again. Uh, But it's a dramatic dot, dot, dot at this point. Yeah. One other thing that I wanted to bring up that's very casually mentioned a couple of times here in this episode and we haven't heard about before is we get a couple of references to the Brotherhood of Evil, who are the Doom Patrol's arch enemies. We get mention of the Brain, which is one of my favorite DC Comics characters. It's a, for those of you who don't know it out there, it's literally like a brain in a jar who is in love with a gorilla named uh, it's monsieur mala right it's mala in the brain i, I thought that this was just a brainiac like knockoff type of situation no 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 there are two members of the brotherhood of evil uh so it's this brain in a jar that looks like that that we see in the episode and then a gorilla and they're in love with each other cool it is pretty cool i'm yeah, for it. weird that we haven't heard about it well, we get the mention here. We also get the mention that Mr. Nobody was part of the Brotherhood of Evil, so that's a good tease, potentially, for what's coming. Um, other notes, other things from the episode that you guys wanted to call out? We did. Well, we got to call out the stupid criminal spotlight. Mm-hmm. You get Steve again. Animal yeah, vegetable we... mineral man comes and gets attacked by his own dinosaur head. A.K.A. raptor head celery hand, who, as we've established in this episode, is a tit. Yep, a real tit. Uh, what else? Any other moments that you guys wanted to mention from the episode? Uh, 
shout out to Larry's line, don't make me puke in my bandages, which, um, yes, agreed. Um, I really like the visual of all cops become pinatas. Um, that was another fun second thing. Oh, but so creepy that everybody was eating the candy. Yeah. Well, all cops are filled with candy. That's the longer version ACAB, of ACAB. All, cop, all cops are butterfingers. Butterfingers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, we get the song Perfect Day, yeah, a oft-used song in our um, geek culture. Fun. I mean, we didn't talk about Cyborg a ton, but... Um, he does seem to be moving closer to tracking down his dad, but I feel like his dad still has the upper hand. Um, yeah, I do feel like, um, you know, the the cyborg thing, it, it, the, the them kind of like punching each other uh, as robot bros was a fun, it was a fun kind of moment. And I feel like, you know, Vic and Cliff... Um, hopefully can get a little bit closer and not always fight each other. But um, yeah, I agree with Zelvin. This was a little bit sadder of a nap. I mean, it things got real crazy in this app. You had someone slit their wrists and bleed out on the floor. It, this, uh, this show does go to some dark places. This did have more of a somber uh, tone to it. So I would I would agree with the statement of all the apps. You know, maybe this is uh, not one of the best, but it did really have some funny moments. Yeah. Um, well, the, you have to face down your tragedies, and that's what it's all about. Looking at stuff that's not funny sometimes. Wow. Nah, no thanks. Only funny stuff for me. <laughs> Speaking of which, who was <laughs> look at, most... We have to look at our funny tragedies, like the um, human hair fireworks factory burn. Oh, that was quite the laugh. <laughs> who was most doomed this episode, Pete? Who was most doomed this episode? Huh, that's a tough call. I'm going to have to go with uh, the old Doom Patrol. Was per- uh, they're yeah. pretty doomed. Um, oh, oh, Ronnie and Raya are very doomed. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Mento still has a chance to pull it out, though, if he just pulls out one of his uh, classic minty candies and tries that. He'll probably get a couple of good ideas. Yeah, at least a wink. Justin, what about you? Who was most doomed uh, this episode? I, I mean, we're finally starting to see some uh, rays of light from for uh, for Larry, for LT, and um, and Rita. So not them for a change. I think it's going to have to be Cyborg. He's mm. gonna lose a lot more, I think, before he wins because of his father A. But he also feels the least ready to face down his problems because he won't even acknowledge that they exist yet. Interesting. I'm going to give it up for Jane being most doomed in this episode. Meaty Gronk hands aside, I do think that hand coming out is pretty ominous for her. She seemed terrified hearing whatever it was or whoever it was saying sweet baby. So that should be an interesting and potentially upsetting storyline coming down the way. Yeah. And folks, that is it. If you want to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show at Comic Book Live on Twitter, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And now to end the episode, a piece of advice from Pete. Don't be afraid to turn on your heart light. You know, sometimes you just got to listen to your heart. Listen to your heart. Wow. Multiple song references in that beat.